Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, it's week 11. It's dark outside, and it's not even that late. It's We're getting into November. The season's going way too fast, um, but we got all sorts of things to talk about. Are you, uh, are you ready? Are you excited? I'm ready. I want the season to slow down desperately, Joey, <laughs> and something that's pretty disappointing is that I'm going to the Virginia Tech Wake Forest game. That part is not disappointing. The part that will follow is very disappointing. That game's at 3.30, Joey, and we have LSU-Alabama at 3.30, so a little disappointed there. I was going to say, there's a couple games going on at the time that are, I I think the two most interesting games in the ACC this weekend are at the same time as the game of the year of the century of all time um, of the week, so maybe pick and choose a little bit, but I mean, obviously the ACC game is the one to watch, right? Always. Obviously. Um, Anyways, Mike, we've got... Six games here in week 11 that we're going to preview and go through here. But before we do that, we've got a couple things that we do need to hit on. As we sit here recording the evening of Wednesday, November 6th, we're about 24 hours removed from the initial college football playoff rankings being released. We'll start here and say that the ACC had a grand total of two teams in these rankings, Clemson and Wake Forest. Is Are you okay with that? Are you, uh, are you disappointed, shocked, anything? What happened to Georgia Tech? Oh, I, you know, well, they, they put Georgia Tech's athletic director on the – college football playoff board, you know, so I was expecting to see the Yellow Jackets there at, you know, 23, 24, but alas, uh, I guess he got overruled. Yeah, closest he'll get to the playoff this year. <laughs> it's the athletic director on the board. There you go. Um, yeah, so only two teams in the rankings, and, and I think the discussion point, not so much Wake Forest at number 19. I mean, that's that's a great showing for them, um, and they're obviously they're 7-1, and one, and it's looking like – it's going to be an interesting weekend to see if they can come up just one loss short of that 9-0 and prediction we got from Josh Parcell going into the Clemson game. But um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But more importantly, Mike, uh, Clemson comes in at number five here. Uh, so if the playoffs started today, to take a, a baseball term, I guess, uh, Clemson would not be in the playoff. Is that, does that upset you? Does that feel like that's wrong? So it didn't really move the needle a whole lot for me because I was thinking, okay, Clemson wins out there and they don't really need to worry about it. Um, with that being said, you know, I look at the way Clemson's played the last three to four weeks. And then I think about how they played against North Carolina. It's a completely different football team from the one we saw about six weeks ago mm-hmm. when they nearly lost that game um, to the Tar Heels. I look at, at, I look at Clemson and, you know, considering how they've played since then, 
And considering, you know, they came off a national championship, which I get you're not supposed to factor in the prior year. So that's good for the committee for just taking the sample size and realizing that Clemson maybe hasn't played as well as they should have. Sticking to the first handful weeks of the year. But yeah, but for the last few weeks, they looked really good, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I take that for what it's worth. The thing that bothers me, and it's something that has now bothered me uh, for multiple years since the playoff began, is the inconsistency of the playoff committee. On one hand, they say, okay, we're looking for the best team in the country. And then on the other hand, they're saying, okay, we need uh, the team with the best resume. And it feels like sometimes that those waters get muddied a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I get that Clemson hasn't played great. But if you look at Clemson against the team ahead of them, Penn State, and, you know, Penn State's had a great year, and they're a very, very good football team, and they could very well find themselves in the playoff. But, Joey, maybe it's just me, but if you put Clemson and Penn State on a neutral field and you say, who's winning that game, I'm going to take Clemson 10 times out of 10. Maybe Mm -hmm. you take Penn State. I don't know. But I'm taking Clemson. And because of that, I don't know why they're not ranked ahead of Penn State. Now, maybe you're saying, okay, well, Penn State has a better resume you know, Penn State's got bigger wins than Clemson does. You know, Clemson beat Texas A&M back when they were ranked 12th in the country. Texas A&M's kind of had an up-and-down year. They'll probably finish the year as a top-20 team. Maybe they won't. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but this is like a, a team that's probably going at bare minimum 8-4. and four. Mm-hmm. But then you look at, you know, Penn State, and you're like, okay, well, they beat Michigan. That's probably their, quote-unquote, biggest one of the year, right? Um, you know, Penn State's got – Obviously, Minnesota this upcoming weekend, they have Ohio State in a few weeks. Like, there are big games coming up for Penn State. They can prove their worth as far as the playoffs concerned. But as of right now, I look at Penn State and Ohio State on paper, I guess you say, okay, Penn State's look a little bit more impressive, or do they have just better wins? And I feel like there's just an inconsistency with how the committee evaluates some teams. The the whole argument I posed to a group of my friends this morning is that you know, UCF went undefeated a couple of years ago, and the argument against UCF was like, okay, well, UCF looked really, really impressive, but, you know, they they went undefeated against a soft schedule. But then you look at Ohio State, and Ohio State has yet to really play anybody, right? They um, played nobody, Mike. Exactly. Like, they haven't played anybody. They've looked really good as well, but they're undefeated, and we put them number one over a team like LSU who's got better wins. So it just feels like there's inconsistency. Okay, Penn State's got better wins than Clemson. Let's put Penn State ahead of Clemson. Oh, but LSU has better wins than Ohio State. But let's put Ohio State ahead of LSU because Ohio State's blown out bad teams. But then, like, a couple of years ago, we're like, oh, UCS undefeated, but they don't sniff the playoff. It's like there, there's this muddied mess where we can't decide if it's best resume, best-looking team, best-looking team in November. Like, what is it, right? Yeah. If you're playing great at the end of the year, does that get you in? It's a total mess. And I don't know how the committee – especially when they're changing members every year, every couple of years, how you can get an equal evaluate an equal evaluation, quite frankly, year over year. I don't feel like they have that with this 14 playoff. And I'm not a big proponent of, oh, let's just expand to eight for the hell of it. But if you're not going to be consistent on a resume, you're not going to be consistent on who's the best team in the country or who looked from the eye test and who looks the best, you have to expand to eight because I don't know how else you do it. Because then you get best resume in there and you get, the eye test passed with yeah. eight teams in the playoff. That's the only way I think you can do it at this point. I, I was going to say, I'm a fan of expanding to eight, but for reasons that we'll get to get into on a diff- another podcast on another day. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. It's, I, it's, I was thinking the exact same thing on your Clemson Penn state t- take is like, if you put those two teams on a neutral field tomorrow, who do I want? I want Clemson. Absolutely. Um, but it's 
like you said, I mean, it's it's an extra muddied mess when you've, you're asking the committee to split hairs between a whole bunch of undefeated teams. It's yeah, I mean, Ohio State has, has only really played probably one good team in Wisconsin, right? But they haven't even sniffed a close call yet. I mean, including Wisconsin, they've blown everybody the hell out, right? right? And so that's there's something to be said for that. LSU right. probably has the single best resume in terms of who have they beaten all year. Exactly. Alabama is Alabama and has pretty much blown out everybody they've played. And and real quick, I, I think Ohio I do think Ohio State is the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think LSU should be ranked number one because of resume. So like yeah. <laughs> that alone should tell you everything you need to know about this evaluation process. Sure. But at the end of the day, Mike, I think what I would say is that this will work itself out. There, we could sit here and be mad about it on November 6th about, you know, well, Clemson should make the playoff if they get left out. It's a crime. Mike, these four teams in front of them, they all play each other. Yep. Ohio State plays Penn State. LSU plays Alabama, That the latter being this weekend. So, I mean, if Clemson wins out, go 13-0, and win the conference, don't have a loss on the schedule, all this stuff, they'll be in. It can yep. be a discussion of what's the seeding look like, but ultimately, I mean, if you're going to win the national title, you're going to have to beat these other teams anyways. So if you want to argue about who gets to call the coin toss at the beginning of the playoff games, go ahead. I'm, I'm not going to really get into that. But at the end of the day, I, Clemson's just fine if they just take care of their business. So that's that's the yep. only thing they got to do is make sure they don't slip up and, and it'll be just fine and there's nothing to worry about there. I agree. All right, Mike. Uh, other thing we got to talk about here, uh, as we mentioned on the last show, Willie Taggart fired from Florida State, as everybody's fully aware of by now. The coaching search seems to be in full uh, full bloom down there in Tallahassee. We talked about we were going to come up with a list of names um, that we thought were kind of interesting to discuss in terms of this job. I I might have gone a little bit overboard here, Mike. I've got a list of 19 different names that way overboard. Yeah, that I think deserve discussion in some form or fashion, and so. I want to quickly go through this list of names and get your takes on them. And uh, once we do that, we can kind of – we'll see if there's anything else that I missed. And then if not, we can kind of dig into the games here a little bit. So let me start by saying I broke these names into four categories. Um, the first category are calls that if you're the athletic director, you should definitely make and expect a no. Um, and, and obviously I'm leaving Nick Saban and Ed Orgeron and Debo Swinney and that, that type of thing off of this list. I think these are people that are, are – what you would call feasible candidates that I just do not expect are going to leave their current spot. You ready? Yep. Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. I don't think that's an automatic no. I, he's been there so long. That's his alma mater. I just don't see him leaving. Just don't think it's an automatic no. Continue. Really good candidate, though. Is. Uh, Mario Cristobal, Oregon. He's got, yeah, I, I think it's as close to a no as it can be, especially with Oregon this close to the playoff. Yeah, and the fact that he turned down Miami last year, or yeah. actually I don't even know that he was given the opportunity to turn down Miami, but yeah, I mean only two years into the, the tenure there, not to mention he took over for the guy that you just fired. So I I don't know uh, I don't know how that would go over in Tallahassee at all. But Yeah, do you want to go back to the well? Like Yeah. Uh, James Franklin, Penn State. Uh, he was interviewed a couple years ago, so he's a candidate. Yeah, I just, but again, I can't figure out why would you leave Penn State A and B, especially when he's being tossed around for the USC job. I, I don't know. I just didn't, I don't think that he would, I don't think he would go for it. If he did, that's a great hire. 
I think if you looked at it before the season, it's a little bit different. But now that he has Penn State in the playoff conversation for really – I mean, truth – they've had some good teams there, but truthfully, this is the first time they've been in the heat of the playoff conversation. Mm-hmm. Even when they had Saquon Barkley and they were really, really good, McSorley, like this is the first time they've been in the rankings yeah. um, in the top four. I can't imagine him leaving there. I don't think so. Uh, lastly, Gus Malzahn, Auburn. I don't think he's going to Florida State, Joey. I if the, the thought that I had was if I'm Gus, I am not hesitant to try to get out of the mess of the political booster culture of Auburn and – all the nonsense he's had to deal with there. But yeah, I, I don't, again, I don't expect him to leave Auburn for yeah, State. Yeah. You want to dive into another political booster mess? Yeah. Go right ahead for it. Dude. <laughs> there you go. Um, a lot of those guys probably command a little bit too much money too, but we'll, I'll hit that here in just a minute as well from a different angle. Um, next group, Mike names, I think that are just legit interesting to consider that I, I could get behind if this is the hire you wanted to make for Florida state. Yep. Neil Brown, West Virginia. Too early. Maybe a little too early. He, he had a pretty good tenure at Troy. Um, He's only, good. Yeah, only one year at West Virginia. The thought that really just came to mind was he's just spent a long time in that region of the country succeeding at another job, so yep. it wouldn't be that big of a leap. Um, Les Miles, Kansas. I don't think anybody mm. is sold on the Les Miles experience at Kansas yet. Even though the offense has been really good and the defense has been Les Miles-esque, it's still Kansas and they got a long way to go. I think they need it proved out over a few years before they're ready to put Les Miles in that kind of position again. Dude, he proved it over like 15 years at LSU. They won a national title and played for another one. It just, uh, it just doesn't matter. Like offensively, he set – football back like <laughs> 70 years at LSU and I don't think Pete in an offensive centric environment now in college football I just don't think people are ready to you know what their appetite on that yet yep um this one is maybe my favorite of this whole list that I I think is feasible I don't think I, I miscalculated on this one uh Matt Rule Baylor uh, Baylor's 8-0 so yeah um but how long really do you good s- at Temple how long really do you stay eight no and ranked at Baylor. And I realize that Bryles did it, but I just don't know how sustainable things are at Baylor given what that program's history are. I mean it's a tough place to recruit, number one. Like it's tough to recruit to where they're at. Um your little, little, little brother in the state, basically. It, you are. I mean you're I mean think about all the schools you have to recruit against. Um that are all blue bloods, right? Or, or trying to break into the echelon. It's just a very, very tough place in Waco to, to break through. Um, the fact that he's eight and and has that program essentially turned around this quickly is worth noting. And I think he's in line for a big time job somewhere. I thought that at, you know, when he was at temple, I thought that the Baylor leap was a bold move. And I thought that was a very tough job for him to take. The fact that he succeeded this quickly only proves out that he's an excellent football coach. I don't think Florida State calls him, but I think that that is a name that's going to be hot on the market for a big-time job. Even though Baylor's a good, uh, has been a good football school last like ten years or so, uh, you know he's in line for big things in college football. I just don't know if Florida State's landing spot. I think there's a lot of agreement, though, out there that Florida State is probably at worst like a top fifteen job in college football. Like yep. you, you can do great things there, and there has there is a great history and all this. Like from all those standpoints, it's a step up from Baylor. Like oh, absolutely, and, it's and a step if, up from Baylor. If he's a candidate for top notch jobs on the market, well, 
I don't know how many more there was going to be. I mean, USC, again, they seem like they're going to come open. I don't know that he would be into that as a guy from the East Coast, you know, Northeast, that kind of thing. Um, I It's something to consider for me. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I like I would like to hire. I just – it might be too soon. I think that would be a great hire, for, personally. Uh, last one in this category. Interesting to consider, Mike. I'm going to go a little bit off the wall here. Ole Miss offensive coordinator Rich Rodriguez. Nope. Just hard no on that? Hard no. He was pretty good at Arizona for a while. He's got he a, was, but he's he got failed long... at Michigan. He failed at Michigan. Michigan's got similar expectations to Florida State. I just don't see it. Okay. Eh, just something to consider. I, I it, The name that piqued my interest. All right, next group here. Good G5 names that probably aren't good enough for FSU, depending on the, the money situation. And I say not good enough for Florida State, mostly in that if I'm Florida State, I'm not hiring someone that is not yet, like, some level of proven winner at, at the right. Power 5 level. Um, yep. But these are kind of the best of the best that I could come up with from the from the G5, especially kind of in this region. Number one, as has been, has been talked about a little bit already, uh, Mike Norvell, Memphis. I'm a big Mike Norvell guy. Yeah. So I, I'd love to see it. I just don't know. Uh, my whole thing is um, he's one of the five or six names I would call, but I just don't know if it's too big of a leap too soon. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think he's most a great of these coach. guys, most of these guys, it's going to be too big a leap too soon. Yeah. Personally. Um, he, yeah, he, by the way, he was a, a pretty successful offensive coordinator for several years at Arizona state before taking the, the Memphis job here. So he has history at the P five level, at the very least. Um, another guy that has some history and, and a guy that we probably should be a little more familiar with than we are. Uh, Blake Anderson, Arkansas state. Formerly Larry Fedora's offensive coordinator from Southern Miss and North Carolina when he first got there. I love Blake Anderson for a variety of reasons. Um, a lot of them sentimental, mm-hmm. um, but I just, I don't okay. think they'll call him. I don't think so either. Uh, Willie Fritz, Tulane. I talk about guys who have been in line for a while for a big time job. I mean, we talked about Matt Rule. Willie Fritz, I think, fits that similar type category. Um, he he's get, been in line for a while. I mean, if you can turn around Tulane or at least get them to be a competent football team, I think you can coach anywhere. So he, Fritz, he's a guy to consider. He has gotten every last bit out of every job he's had recently. Going yeah. from Sam Houston State to Georgia Southern to now Tulane. like, And they've been really, really good after a couple of years at each of them. Um, I think he could be really good. Uh, Seth Luttrell, North Texas. That I mean, another good candidate, um, but another guy I don't think they call, right? Like, I don't know that they call any of these guys that you've named so far, except maybe Norvell, um, just yeah. because I feel like Norvell's been in line for a P5 job for a while. Yeah, it's it's totally, again, this whole category is good G5 names that probably aren't quite a good enough resume for Florida State, right? Yeah. So, but guys that I think would, would be potentially really good hires. Yeah, there's high ceilings with I think each of these guys. Yep. Last one, the one that I think actually could get a call, and I think would so far seems like he would be a really damn good hire. Josh Heupel, UCF. Yeah, yeah, that's a name I didn't even consider just because he's so new at UCF. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got them playing good football. I mean, he had them playing great last year. They're good this year. Um, yeah, I mean. I remember when Heupel was playing at Oklahoma, so that makes me old officially. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm washed now. 
He was but, running uh, some really good offenses at Missouri before that. You know, yeah. he, he's coached at the highest level before. So, all right, last category I've got other names being mentioned that I'm not buying for some reason or other. Okay. Number one, big game Bob Stoops. Nope. Of the Dallas Renegades of the XFL, by the way. That's basically retirement. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't see this. I don't know why he would ever go for this. You know, I don't know. Kind of in that same, part-time job work. Yeah, absolutely. Same same vein. Urban Meyer. No. No. Um the I AD don't even literally buy... the AD literally said like a week ago, if Willie Tagger got hit by a bus tomorrow, we wouldn't call Urban Meyer. Like to be honest with you, Joey, like I don't even buy Urban Meyer to USC. I, I don't buy any of it. I think he's – I know it sounds stupid, but I legitimately think he's done coaching for a while anyway. I don't think he's just going to jump back in like he did at Ohio State when he left Florida. I don't see it. No, I completely agree. I, I think he's actually done this time. Um, famous last words. Right. Uh, Brent Venables, Clemson defensive coordinator. Never uh, been a head coach. What's Florida State going to pay him? I, I don't know. Um, Not as much as Clemson is, probably. So the answer is no. I mean, I think the same. it's the same answer. Podcasting and Play Nobody was talking about Mike Elko in the same context. Like, Mike Elko, defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Not for Florida State. Just Oh, okay. Mike Elko at Texas A&M as a defensive coordinator. If he were to take a head coaching job at an up-and-coming group of five school, what are they going to pay him? Well, come to find out that Texas A&M is paying him over $2 million a year to be a defensive coordinator. So... Clemson is not paying $2.1 million a year that I know of. I, I don't know Brent Venable's contra- uh, contract situation. I don't think they're paying him $2 million a year, but I know they're paying him over a million dollars a year, and you better be ponying up even with that massive, massive buyout you just paid for Willie Taggart if you're going to go after a guy who, you know, in Brent Venables who can essentially select whatever job he wants to interview for at any time. Mm-hmm. He's basically a trump card candidate, right? Like he can go – wherever he wants at this point, interview, and then be a strong candidate to be in that final pool of, of candidates to be selected. That's kind of where he's at at this point. I, if, if he's not at $2 million, I think he's at least close. You know, he's, he's close. He's yeah. in that same neighborhood of you know top five highest paid coordinators on either side of the ball in the entire country. I might be completely wrong. I just assume that Texas money is a little bit different. So I might be completely wrong. I mean, it is Clemson. They've won two national championships in the last few years. Like They yeah. could certainly hang him that. I don't know his contract situation, admittedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll throw in this as well, is that his name has been talked about for a lot of head coaching jobs over the last several years, and there has almost been no indication whatsoever that he's interested in being a head coach somewhere. It's, like, it's yep. almost like living this cushy life of running his awesome defense and coaching his sons and getting paid a Brinks truck of money every year for it is too good to pass up. Bud Foster, what's up? Yeah, right. So I don't think it's going to be him. Um, three more, Mike. Jeff Brom, Purdue. I don't think he's good enough for Florida State. I think he, I think he might be, but I think the fact that he just spurned Louisville last year, I, I don't think he would turn around and go to another school, especially in Louisville's division. Like that would be the full-on heel turn. Like public enemy number one in Louisville is to spurn your home school and less than a year later go get in the middle of this mess in, in Tallahassee. I don't think he'll do it. I remembered when he played in college, too. <laughs> God. Sign of the times, Mike. Yeah. Uh, Bob's brother, Mark Stoops, Kentucky, former Florida State defensive coordinator. I think he's a legitimate candidate, but I don't know how 
good of a hire this would be. Mo- yeah. and, and it's not it doesn't have anything to do with Mark Stoops as a coach. I think he's a very good coach. I just don't think they'll be patient enough for him. Yeah, and that that's therein lies the rub, Mike, is that like I I don't know that he would be really the hire that they're they're gonna be looking for. Um, right. again it's taken how many years for him to turn around Kentucky and turn around means got them to one like nine or ten win season and now they're in danger of missing a bowl game again. Right. If they can't at least split Tennessee and Vanderbilt here in the next couple of weeks, right? So it's I don't know that that would be a particularly high ceiling of a hire, at least for Florida State. Um, yeah, I like I like him a lot, and I think he's a good coach. I just, man, I mean, you're up against it already before you even take before you even really step on campus. Right. Yeah, he's he's up against a lot. Uh, last one I got, Matt Campbell, Iowa State. I think would be a great hire, but the fact that he just like tripled down on his buyout this past offseason, like Florida State yeah. is not going to be able to pay for that after all of this dumping of money on Taggart and his staff. I, I mean, aside from like Urban Meyer and people who aren't going to go there, um, Matt Campbell, I think is the best candidate you've mentioned so far, but his contract situation makes it nearly impossible, in my opinion, that he would make that jump. Yeah, it, it would again. It would be a great hire. I just don't think that's in the realm of fiscal possibility. So, um, who did I miss, Mike? Anybody else that came to mind? I have a couple names, Joey. Um, one that's in the news that I, I don't buy, but Lane Kiffin. That would be interesting on a couple of levels, but yeah, I don't. I don't know that I buy that. That's what FSU is going to do. Okay, Dave Clawson. Is he a fit A slash B? Like, would he want to go do this at Florida State? I seem to remember some talk about him and Bronco Mendenhall being very similar and kind of wanting to coach at places where there's more to it than just playing football for these guys. And that that culture is not there at Florida State in the way that it is at a lot of different schools in the ACC. I mean, Willie Taggart's only real accomplishment at Florida State is turning around the APR, right? Yeah, there's that. Did I, um, By the way, did I do that pretty diplomatically? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I think Lawson is a heck of a coach. I think he would be a great candidate there. I think he would obviously need to replace his defensive coordinator if he was going to go from Wake Forest to Florida State. I think his offense and the way that it runs would work well at Florida State if you're able to recruit the same type of athletes. Um, I think it would be a fit offensively, defensively. I'm not sure. And from a recruiting standpoint, Dave Clawson hasn't exactly lit the world on fire recruiting. He's just a good football coach. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those deals where you're going to have to absolutely sell, um, sell the boosters, sell the administration on the staff you're bringing on from a recruiting standpoint strictly, and then not sacrificing too much on your coaching staff in order to recruit to the level that Florida State expects you to. So yep. that's all I'd say about that. That's why I don't think he's a legitimate candidate, but I do think he'd be an interesting call to make. You got to know the white claw offense would go over real well in Tallahassee. Yeah, it's that that offense will play anywhere. Imagine having like, I mean, they got plenty of athletes at receiver at Wake Forest. Imagine having Florida State level athletes is a little bit different. Yeah, as good as Scotty Washington and Sage Surratt and some of those guys are. Scary Terry and and those guys are uh, just that much better, you know. So yeah, it's it's a legitimately scary thought. High high ceiling there in uh, in Tallahassee for that. Uh, anybody else, Mike, or that all you got? Uh, that's all I got. I'm intrigued because most of these names that we've talked about, you haven't really seemed all that like really convinced that they're real candidates for the job. Which I feel like these are a lot of 
good names. And if not one of these guys, then, like, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't either. I mean, they got to have a handful of names lined up. I mean, the Bob Stoop stuff has been running rampant, but I just don't think it's happening. So they got to really, really be sure that they, whoever's on their list, they nail it. Because Willie Taggart, I mean, we mentioned on the last podcast, it, it wasn't going to go over great if they didn't have somebody in line they were absolutely expecting to take the job and right now i'm not sure there's anybody who's like head over heels in love with the idea of taking the florida state job as it currently sits even though as we said by pure geography alone and where they recruit and you know just the history it should be a a top 15 job at worst Mm -hmm. but i just don't know who is really juiced up at this point to take that job and deal with the boosters and everything that comes with being the coach of Florida State. Right, exactly, exactly. I I think ultimately whatever Florida State does, A, I think it's going to happen sooner than later. Um, I would bet you by the time Florida State's playing Florida at the end of the year, I bet they have another head coach picked out. Um, yep. I would bet you that's what's going to happen, A. B, whatever they do is probably going to have to be a reasonably savvy hire to make. Um, I don't I just really don't get the impression that they're in position to money whip somebody out of their old job right? Um, on a couple different levels for the, for the most part, you know, again, if it's a G five school or something like that. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be interesting to watch and uh, looking forward to kind of seeing what goes on there. Yep. Mike week 11, we got six games. Five of them are conference games. One of them is a Notre Dame game. Um, let's start here at three thirty PM on the ACC network. As we mentioned, this is, the, uh, this is the game of the year of the century uh, of the week. The number 19, Wake Forest, Steeman Deeks, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Virginia Tech. Your Hokies, you said you'll be at this game. I will. This is a really interesting line. I want to I jump in real quick before we do this. Um, with We got an email from a listener, Patrick Hayes, on Wake Forest. Uh, we had mentioned in the, in the uh, recap of Week 10 that there was some white quarterback playing for Wake Forest, and it was not uh, Sam Hartman. Patrick alerted us to the fact that the coaches have made it known that they're going to try to redshirt Sam Hartman and, and get a little bit of class separation with him and Jamie Newman, which I think is a smart move. So I do too. if we don't see uh, Sam Hartman, that's why. And uh, thank you to Patrick for the alert there. He also made sure that we were aware that we did not give Jamie Newman nearly enough praise for scoring like five touchdowns and just a little over 30 minutes last week. Um, <laughs> I, I told him I think it's because we just that's the norm at this point is that's what Jamie Newman does and it's easy to forget but he's real yep. good. All right, Deeks a two and a half point road favorite against the Hokies here total sixty one and a half. Mike, I have a feeling you're going to take Virginia Tech outright. I am because of the line. Um, <laughs> it's I, look, I think Wake Forest should win this game for a multitude of reasons. Number one, I think their offense is a lot better. But the thing about Wake Forest is their defense hasn't been all that good. I think Virginia Tech's offense is improving. They're getting Hendon Hooker back in this game at quarterback. This game is in Blacksburg. And I and I think Virginia Tech's defense is playing better. Now, does that mean they can stop Wake Forest? No, and I'm not expecting them to. Um, I think if Virginia Tech wins, it's going to have to be a, a lower scoring affair because I think Wake can put up points much easier than Virginia Tech can at this point. But I like the way Virginia Tech's running the football right now. I do like the way the defense is playing. A couple things working against Virginia Tech right now. Shamari Connor, who's been a very good defensive back, he's battling a sore hamstring. So that's important to note because Jermaine Waller, 
who is Virginia Tech's essentially the nickelback on Virginia Tech's defense is going to be out for the first half of this game. So due to a targeting call in the second half last week in South Bend, so that's important to note. Uh, Caleb Farley, I, I think he'll end up playing on Saturday. At least it looks like that's the case. He's been Virginia Tech's best cornerback all year long outside of Connor, obviously. They've both been very good, but Farley's been, I think, just a little bit better. Um, Farley got a little bit banged up towards the end of that game last week, so it looks like he's going to play, but he's not 100% at this point. So Virginia Tech does have some issues in the secondary, and you know we talked about Wake Forest receiving core and how good they've been. You know, Virginia Tech struggled with a little bit of a lack of a pass rush overall this year. They've been getting steadily a little bit better, and the secondary's played well. But there are some question marks for Virginia Tech in this football game. But they're at home in Blacksburg. I thought that Wake Forest would be favored by a lot more. So maybe this is a trap, and maybe that's why I'm taking Virginia Tech. But I think more than anything, Virginia Tech really, really needs to win this football game, Joey. Um, so if anything, for just being an alum and a fan of the school, I'm going to take Virginia Tech as my sentimental pick because I have no idea about this line one way or another, and it smells, Joey. I don't know why it's only two and a half. Some places you're seeing Wake Forest minus three still. It's a little bit up in the air, but I'm going to take the Hokies outright to surprise a lot of people. With all of that being said, Joey, I think if you're picking one game on the remainder of Virginia Tech's schedule that they will lose, I think this is the one that's most likely – uh, to result in a defeat, um, even more than Virginia, who's, you know, I guess the best team in the Coastal we've talked about. I think Wake Forest is the best team remaining on Virginia Tech's schedule. So if they're going to lose one, I think this is the one that they lose out of the remaining four against, you know, obviously Wake, Georgia Tech, Pitt, and Virginia and uh, University of Virginia at the end of the year. Yeah, I think that's the thing is as as good as Wake Forest's offense has been, not only in in moving the ball and scoring, but doing it quickly and being able to rack up possessions. I think they have the ability to turn most games into a shootout. And if this turns into a shootout, like it's kind of like what you said, right? Virginia Tech's probably not going to be able to keep up. Right. Um, Agreed. Their offense is going to stall out enough that Wake will be able to get some separation. So for that reason, I'm on the Deeks. Um, I, I, I lean with Wake Forest here. It's a small spread, only two and a half points. I realize it's a, it's a road favorite and that just never ends well. If you want to, you know, bet that line. So I, I, don't know that I would recommend betting it one way or the other. Uh, but I, what I would say that I do really like here, total 61 and a half. What are we saying, Mike? What are we, what are we doing there? I'm going to go over. Yeah, over. Over. I, I think, at the very least, Wake's offense, we know it can score a lot. We also know Wake's defense doesn't do a great job of keeping other teams off, off, the, off the board. So let's let's go with uh, let's go with the over there over sixty. And Virginia Tech's there. offense hasn't been terrible lately. So you know, last six weeks or so, it's looked better. Yeah, yeah, especially I mean, with Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson running the show, that's a uh, that's a, a significant upgrade with what they've been getting over uh, Ryan Willis. So I'm on Wake and the over. You're on Virginia Tech outright and the over. So uh, we will we'll see. Enjoy that game. Coin flip. Yeah, coin flips right. Um, yeah, small, small road favorite there. That's dangerous spot for the, for the Deeks. Let's move on, Mike. Same time, 3.30 p.m. ESPN2. The Louisville Cardinals, a six-and-a-half-point road dog in Coral Gables taking on the Miami Hurricanes. Totals 49. Mike, this feels like Louisville is a really big underdog here. Does that feel like Vegas is trying to set you up for something, or is Miami just getting a bump off the game last week? Or Explain this line to me. I don't understand the line. I'm taking Louisville outright. I think Louisville beats Miami on Saturday. Yeah, I 
I'm not buying Miami. I, Jaron Williams looked good. I think he's <laughs> – I've been beating that drum all along. I think Jaron Williams should be a starting quarterback in Miami for the next few years. Um, he was good when they essentially benched him. He had two early turnovers against Virginia Tech and didn't really play after that until last weekend. Um and then he just went ahead and threw for 300 yards against Florida State. I, I'm a Jaron Williams guy. I think he should be the starter moving forward. But I like Louisville to win this game, Joey. I think Louisville's been an undervalued team all year. I think they're playing much better than their record indicates. Um, I think the Cardinals are obviously going to make a bowl game. Um, and I, I think they're a very good team, Joey. Like, under the radar good. They're sitting at 5-3. and three. Um, Obviously, 3-2 and two in conference play. I think they make that 4-2 and two in conference play and clinch a bowl berth. On Saturday, um, I, this is a team that, you know, in my opinion, had no business sniffing a bowl game, even though that there was still talent on the team. I just didn't think that Scott Satterfield would get the buy in this quickly as good of a coach he, as he is and the culture that he builds and, you know, what he's produced in the past at App State. I just thought it was too tall of a task too quickly to expect a bowl game in year one. And now I'm almost expecting him to win seven or eight games. And it's just crazy how the season turns. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking Louisville outright. I have much more confidence in them than I do in Florida State. And I like the Cardinals here. Yeah, one of the things is as much as Miami's offense looked better last week, it was against a Florida State team that might have been quitting just a little bit. You know, and, and you know, clearly the day after their coach gets fired. Mike, as good as their offense looked, they scored 27 points. Yep, And that was the second high watermark of the year for them. They scored 35 against the Hokies in a loss. They scored 27 against Florida State. That's the second most points they've scored all year against an FBS team. In other words, teams they've played not named Bethune-Cookman. Um, so, and, and it's not like every team they've been playing either has a particularly great defense. So it's this offense has had a lot of problems getting going at times. Um, they, they've had a lot of red zone woes, trouble finishing drives. Um, kicking game woes, all these things. Um, Louisville's offense, on the other hand, has scored against basically everybody they've played. I think they had some significant issues against Clemson, but who doesn't? And otherwise, they've North been... Carolina, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, Louisville's been putting points on the board. And not only that, they're coming off a bye. Miami coming off a little bit of an emotional letdown here. I really like Louisville on the points. What the hell? Let's get weird. Let's go Louisville outright here. Hell yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, Let's outright, go. I think this is a good spot for Louisville. And uh, I, I agree. I think they're getting ball eligible this weekend. Um, I, I think it's just a, it's a bad spot for Miami on a couple of levels. And Louisville's been playing really, really well. So let's go with the cards. Uh, total's 49. You got any feelings on that? Um, I don't. Under maybe? I, uh, yeah. I'll just I don't know. Leave the total I'm not bad Maybe go, maybe, uh, yeah, never mind. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. All right, let's move on. Like 7.30 p.m. on ABC, the number five Clemson Tigers playing their weekly sacrifice. This week it's NC State. Clemson is a 32-point road favorite, Mike. Lay them. Clemson, baby. Lay them. Uh, yeah, Clemson minus anything here. NC State, especially, again, kind of getting into the third-string quarterback territory. This is not, not a good situation for the Wolfpack. I think just just lay those points with Clemson and don't look back. Give me one reason why NC State would cover. Uh, 32 is a lot, and Raleigh has been a little bit of a house of horrors for Clemson in recent years. Other than that? That's, that's all I got. Okay. 
Clemson. That's why you take Clemson. Yeah. Uh, NC State just scored, what, 10 points against Wake Forest defense last week? I predict they will score more against Clemson than they do against Wake Forest. Is that bold? That's pretty bold, actually, yeah. And 10 is not a high bar. It's not a high bar to clear, but, man. Um, And if you think – I mean, if you think that NC State's scoring double digits against Clemson here, total's 53.5. You've got to go over that total. I think it's way over. Yeah, Clemson. Clemson might get almost all the way there by themselves, if not yep. entirely there by themselves. So I really like the over here as well. Yeah, I like the over there. All right. Anything else? Good to move on. Good. You don't want to further analyze Clemson versus NC State's third string quarterback. NC State's terrible, so I think we can just leave it where it is. I mean, it's Clemson's played FCS schools just about as good as NC State, and I'll. I think that's bold. I mean, NC State's been terrible this year, so I, I don't even think I'm, you know, talking out of school there. Man, NC State is going to have – it's just going to be an interesting run here for the rest of the year. So they're already 1-3 and three in conference. They might – if they lose – when they lose this game, that will make sure that they mathematically cannot finish better than 500 in conference. And at that point, then you've got to go win two out of three against Louisville at Georgia Tech, home against North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> might not be going to a bowl game in Raleigh. I don't think so. I don't know. All right. Uh, 12.30 on the ACC Network Extra, which at this point, you just call it the uh, ACC Georgia Tech Network, which is just whatever regional Fox, My69, CW, yada, yada. Raycom Sports, baby. Uh, dilly, dilly. Uh, Georgia Tech, My Yellow Jackets, a 16-point road dog in Charlottesville taking on the uh, – Newly still in control of the Coastal Division, Virginia Cavaliers. Total's only 47. That's fairly low, but I don't expect a whole lot of points. I I lean with Georgia Tech here just because that's so many points, and Virginia's offense has only really had the one outburst this year. And Georgia Tech's defense has been playing fairly well. So if you can score like 7 to 10 points and then hold Virginia to like 21, 23, so, tell me I'm wrong, Mike. You're wrong. Uh, Virginia <laughs> wins. They cover, I'm thinking, like 30 to 7. Yeah. Un- under um, seems like it's the play here, even at 47. It is. So, I, I mean, I still, I'm kind of with you. Like, I, I, I'm definitely on the under. I think it stays lower scoring. Uh, but I do like Virginia to cover. Um, I just don't think Georgia Tech has enough offense. They scared me last week, Joey, with the offense. That was back to square one after looking a lot better over the last like three or four weeks leading up to that. It was back to square one last week. I didn't like what I saw. Um, and Pittsburgh's not very good. So for them to look that inept offensively, I get Pitt's defense has been like good by Pat Narduzzi standards <laughs> for considering his tenure at Pittsburgh so far has been very good on the defensive side of the football. Yeah. Um, it, it's been better, but it, it's still pretty shocking how bad they looked on offense last weekend. And, I think Virginia's defense is every bit as good as Pitt's, probably better. So, you know, I like Virginia here to to win and cover, but I do like that under more than anything else. Yeah, as I think about it, like, if you really do think Georgia Tech's offense is going to bounce back, I still have a hard time seeing them scoring more than, like, 14 points in this game. Agree. And if they do that for this game to go over, Virginia's got to score 34. I I don't think they're getting all the way there. Yeah, so because even at that point, you have, what, 30 to 14? It's like, okay, Virginia covers, and it's still hitting the under? Mm-hmm. 
So I just I, I love the under, and we'll wait on the pick of the week. But that's it's a candidate. Yeah, it's a candidate. There's a couple of really good total candidates here. I think. Yeah. Um, I'm going to roll with Georgia Tech here. I think there's a chance for this offense again. It, it, it's weird that they came off a bye week last week against Pittsburgh and just looked completely lost. Um, I, I tend to think that James Graham is going to have sorted a couple things out coming into this game. I think Georgia Tech's going to be able to keep it close. I, I don't think there's almost any chance that they win this game unless something fairly crazy happens in terms of Virginia just coming out completely flat and turning the ball over and giving Georgia Tech short fields. But I think I think the Yellow Jackets can keep this one a little bit close. I think 14 points sounds about right for them. I, I think Virginia maybe scores about 28, something like that, so maybe 28-14. Yep. So give me Georgia Tech in the 16, but I think Virginia still wins this fairly comfortably. Under, baby. Under for sure. Hit that under because – Again, I don't see Georgia Tech getting must past 14, and I don't see Virginia doing a bulk of the scoring that's going to get you all the way to 47 here. I agree. All right. Two more, Mike. 7.30 p.m. on the ACC Network. The number 15 Notre Dame Fighting Irish are traveling to Durham, North Carolina, taking on Dave Cutcliffe and the Duke Blue Devils. Notre Dame is only an eight-point favorite here. Is this a trap? Get right game, baby. This feels like this is a trap for me, not for, not for Notre Dame. It's not necessarily a trap game for them. It's a get-right game for the Irish. I think they win by two scores. Um, Durham's a tough place to play because it's like a library. Durham at night, even tougher. It's going to be one of those weird games I think you turn on and it's like the third quarter and it's still like weirdly competitive. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying Notre Dame's going to win this game by 30 or something. I don't think that's the case at all, but – I do think they win by a couple scores, but I think it's one of those games that sneaks under the radar a little bit and gets a little bit more competitive than you'd like. But I do think it's a get-right game from the standpoint of I think Notre Dame's offense will play better than it did last week. Um, I do think that they'll pull away in the second half, which is something they haven't done in a while, and I do think the defense will play better against Duke's offense because Duke's offense ain't any good, Joey. They're not any good. Yeah, that was my big take here is that I don't think Duke has the offensive firepower to even just keep up in this game. I, I don't think it's possible. Um so I'm going to roll with Notre Dame. I'm definitely cautious about this because, again, the line is kind of spooking me at only eight points for what has largely been a really, really good Notre Dame team against a decidedly average Duke team. So I uh, I look forward to circling back and figuring out how it is that Duke only lost this game by three. It's been a rough couple of weeks for Notre Dame, getting blown out in Ann Arbor and then not playing great at home against Virginia Tech, who a lot of people don't think are very good. Um I think they're decidedly mediocre at best as an alum. So mm-hmm. it's been a tough couple of weeks for Notre Dame, but I think this is a game where you get right. Um, I don't think Duke is on par with Virginia. I mean, it's, it's weird to say, but like at this point in the season, if Duke and Virginia Tech played, I think Virginia Tech wins that game. Um, it, it's which is a weird thing to say considering what the outcome was about a month ago. But um, Duke has really been on the decline since then and they are not playing very good football right now and neither is Notre Dame but Notre Dame's got a lot more talent yeah I feel like I I was going to tell people just maybe don't bet this but then again you're you're given less than 10 with Notre Dame against Duke and it just feels it's too good to be true but I feel like I'm being suckered in I don't know talent efficiency for sure and I love David Cutcliffe but like if you examine his record and I get Notre Dame's not an ACC team, but if you examine his record against ACC teams, it really isn't all that good, but it's Duke. So it's a different, it's a different standard because he's coaching there, not somewhere else. Yeah. It's a, it's a totally different, um, 
uh, what is it? Perspective barometer. or yeah, yeah, barometer, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> All right, totals fifty one. I think leave that alone. I have no idea. Could go either direction from there. Yep. All right, last one, Mike. Twelve o'clock on the ACC network. Florida State, a two point underdog in Chestnut Hill against the Boston College Eagles. I have no idea what to do with this line. <laughs> None whatsoever. <sighs> Total sixty three. That's kind of a yeah. lot, but then again, which which of these defenses do you really trust right now? Yeah. Does Florida State's defense want any part of AJ Dillon? Does Boston College's defense want any part of Cam Hagers? I don't know. I mean, Florida State beat him last year, so maybe this is a bit of a, a revenge game of sorts. Joey, do you still have the uh, heads or tails coin flip thing on your phone? <laughs> I sure do. We want to okay, go. Okay, so uh, we go to that. Full disclosure: if you're new to the podcast, we generally have a game or two a year, and while well, you fire that up, Joey, we generally have a game or two a year where we legitimately do a coin flip on the game um, using, you know, a little coin flip action on the cell phone. Uh, to see, you know, who's going to win the game because we legitimately have no idea. So that works on two fronts in this game. Number one, I don't understand the line. I have no idea because I don't know if Florida State's going to play hard for Odell Haggins or not. I also um, don't know if Boston College is necessarily good enough to hang with Florida State's athletes, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. It's a total coin flip. But um, the total... Again, no idea. Two bad defenses, two offenses that have struggled to get going, but have two really good running backs. So mm-hmm. where are we going with this, Joey? Heads or tails? And you and I both get the same pick on both the game and the over-under here. So let's just... All right, I'm sold. So so, right. so heads who, tails who? All right, so let's give heads to... Uh, let's give heads to Florida State. Head in the logo? Yeah. Okay. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Good, good enough for me. Heads to Florida State, tails for Boston College. Go. Because the eagle has a tail. So, all right, here we go. Close enough. Flip a coin. It's heads. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. We're uh, taking Florida State. Now for the over-under, Joey. Uh, now remind everybody what the over-under is. Total is 63 points. Okay, 63 points. Okay, um, so we're going to Florida State, and heads is over, tails is under? Yep. Flip a coin. It's tails. We're going under. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Florida Siri. State in the under. Yeah, thanks, Siri. So sure. does that mean we both have to bet it too? Oh uh at your own at your own risk. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. I definitely would, don't bet this. I would not touch this game with a ten foot pole from a betting perspective. I I just have no clue what either team is gonna do here. Um, and really, and yeah. really, what I would say is it really hinges a lot on Florida State. Like, what do they come out and do? Do they play hard for Odell Haggins? Is, is something you know magically fixed, or yeah. is it just flat and everybody's quitting and done with this? And Boston College might steamroll them. You know, I don't know. So, leave it alone. Legitimate coin flip, Mike. That's all the games. Pick of the week. What's you interested? Uh, all right, which over under do you want? Um, give me over 53 and a half Clemson versus NC state. Yeah. Again, that's a good one. Clemson. That's not a high total for a Clemson game. NC state's defense has been okay, but not this. Okay. I'm with you. So give me, give me the over there. That's my pick of the week. 
Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to take the under in Virginia and Georgia Tech. That's under 46. I like that pick as well. Yep. Georgia Tech under is a, a pretty good little proposition that, this year. Yep. And Joey, you're going to put actual money on both of those picks this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so those will be those will be on the table. I like both of those a lot. Yeah. I, I say this. Georgia Tech's game against Pitt went under last week. The three weeks prior, they all went over. Mm, so yeah, but over under is four and four on the year for Georgia Tech. So it, you know, it is what it is. Virginia, on the other hand, what are we at? Four and four. So there you go. <laughs> Maybe not as big of a lock as we thought. So. Yeah, but again, I mean, two teams that the defenses are better than the offenses. We would say so. Um, yeah, I like that pick as well. All right, reason would tell you. So I got over fifty three and a half in Clemson, NC State. You've got under. 47 in Georgia Tech in Virginia. I like them both. Uh, Mike, that's all I got on week 11. Anything else? Let's just see how these play out, Joey. Let's just see how it goes. We'll have to see. All right, well, uh, let's get out of here, go watch these games, and uh, come back and see if Florida State has a head coach yet. Probably not. Probably not. But maybe. I mean, who knows? I don't I don't ever know what they're going to do at this point in Tallahassee. That's so. Bud. Yeah, <laughs> Let's check in with Bud and see how that's going. We're work- we, we've been working at that one. Oh, yeah. One day. We'll get there. All right, Mike. We're going to get out of here. Uh, we'll come back and recap these games after they're done. In the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. And together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yes, sir. And I really, really, once again, appreciate Patrick Hayes for sending in his question or his uh, insights on Wake Forest, those kinds of things. It, it's You would be surprised, or you might not be surprised to find out how difficult it is to keep up with that level of detail on each team across the conference midseason. So if we're, if we're saying some dumb stuff and you're just screaming at your radio about how we don't know this one thing about Syracuse or Pittsburgh or, you know, North Carolina or whatever, like, Please email us and let us know what we're saying that's really dumb. It really, really, really help us out. So thank you. Yeah, we we do our research and we try really hard at this. And you guys wouldn't be listening to us at this point four years in if you didn't agree. But we're at the point now where it's like, if something like that happens and we miss it, just email us and tell us that we're idiots. We're perfectly okay with that. Just keep listening. <laughs> we are used to it. Used uh, to it. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, they can find us on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app, and most importantly, on the Anchor app. And we ask that you do, and we're really appreciative of those who have. Uh, you want to tell me where they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of your podcasts there, Joey. Please do, please do. We appreciate those who have. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? We'll see what happens here, Joey, in week 10. It's going to be crazy. 11, but yes. 11. Week 11. That's... Good math. Week 10 was crazy, too. I mean, they're they're all crazy now. Week 10 was a little wild, yeah, but week 11 is what I meant, so <laughs> my bad. All right. Well, enjoy the games. Enjoy Blacksburg, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, buddy. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon, and until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.